0: Receive that he's for you today. Stop fighting it. Grab hold of the mindset that says, I'm not good enough. Grab hold of the mindset that's trying to work your way to him and cast it out and just receive love. You see, I'm going to talk about a rich man, a rich young ruler today. And unfortunately, he didn't know how much Christ was for him. Unfortunately, he had no concept of how much Jesus wanted him to come into life. And that is incredibly sad. It's a sad story. And it didn't need to end the way it did, but it did. But it didn't need to. There was an invitation given. And Jesus sees the young man's heart. He sees your heart. He sees the things that you've got in your heart. He sees your fear. He sees your worry, your anxiousness. He sees your joy, your peace. He sees everything. He saw into this young man's heart and he gave them the solution to the young man's question. So the young man asked him a question, looking for an answer. And Jesus gives him the answer to his question. The problem is the young man didn't like the answer he got. And sometimes that's me and sometimes that's you. Is that we ask questions and the answer comes. But we don't like the answer, so we ask the question again, looking for a different answer. Anyone else? So three months go by and then we ask the same question and the answer comes. But that's not the question or the answer, sorry, that I want, so I reject it and I go looking for it another way. You know, you can spend your whole entire life, thank you, um, asking questions and never getting the answer because you're not prepared to receive the answer that you get. And so this story says the young man walked away from Christ. Isn't that the saddest thing someone could do? Do you know that you can walk away from Christ? You can be here and walking away from Christ. You can be part of a body and still walk away from him. Because he's coming with truth to set you free, but you reject the truth because it doesn't come the way you want it to come. It doesn't match. You already have a preconceived answer to your question. And when the answer comes and it doesn't match your already preconceived mindset, you go, that's not you, God. And then you go looking for God and God's going, hey, it's me. It is me. And so it's very easy and I believe that the rich young ruler is just not a person who was in history. Rich young rulers can be right here. Rich young ruler can be me. And when you start to realize and put yourself into God's truth, things start to change. It's no longer about, oh, those people over there, that group of people. No, it's about me. And I'm going to put myself into the story because I'm a character character in the story. The same things that they were all influenced and affected by, I am too. I have flesh, do you? You have spirit, do you? They had flesh, they had spirit. It's the same story. It's not those guys and us. It's not those chosen ones and we're not. If you're in Christ, you're chosen. So the Israelites are not the special chosen people. That's what we love to believe and we teach. Oh, they're God's chosen. No, they're not, because I'm chosen too. I was chosen before the foundations of the earth. I just happened to start my life in 1969, and I'm in English, I'm not a Jew. But I was chosen before the foundations of the world. So were you. So we're all chosen people, aren't we? There are no special people. So we all struggle with the same issue. We all go through the same stuff. Just because you have a title of senior leader, pastor, doesn't mean you don't struggle with flesh. Doesn't mean you don't struggle with the issues that everyone else struggles with. And just because you have a title, please, it does not make, mean you've made it. For whatever reason, he may have called you and his hand is upon you. So we're all in the boat together trying to figure this out and live a life of surrender. But see, this young man was faced with the reality. And unfortunately, he turned away from the truth that was going to set him free and the truth that was going to bring him into life. So come with me to Matthew 19, 16 first. We're going to start. Matthew 19, verses sixteen. says this, the rich young ruler, and someone came to him and said, teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? There's a key right there. What good thing shall I do? I'm going to unpack that a bit. That I may obtain eternal life. And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. If you wish to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. If you wish to have the substance of life in you, not just eternity, an eternal life, a life of substance, a life of eternal quality, eternal character. If you wish to have joy and peace and kindness and gentleness, not of the earth. If you wish to have a full life, Christ Jesus is the eternal life. He is the eternal life. So Christ in me means I have eternal life in me because Jesus is in me. You tracking with me? So if Christ is in me, if Christ is being formed in me, then I have eternal life. And I live from this eternal life, this full life. It's not a life void of power, it's a life full of power. It's not a life void of love, it's a life full of love, but not my love, the love of the Father. It's a joy that, it's a life full of joy. Jesus said, I've come to give you my joy, and no one can take my joy. So if you want to enter into life, eternal life, you have to keep the commandments. We're going to look at what does it mean to keep the commandments? Because he's giving you the answer. He's giving the rich young ruler the answer. How do I obtain eternal life, Lord? Keep my commandments. It's real simple. God is simple. We complicate it because it's a mystery as well. It's profoundly mysterious the kingdom and yet it's simple at the same time. So he writes it in simple terms and language in English, not in Hebrew or Greek in English. If you wish to have life, keep the commandments. So if that's a simple, why isn't the church as a whole in this amazing life? If it's just a matter of keeping and doing good things, why aren't we all? I mean, and not just the. I mean, the whole church ablaze. Why aren't the world looking at us, going, "Jesus was sent for us"? Because the church is one; it's on fire. Love manifests out of it. If it's that simple, why is the reality hard to come by? Anyone else? You see, I read the scriptures and I have to ask questions of what I read. I can't just read and meditate and see these incredible promises and then go, oh, I don't know, who cares, move on. You know, the truth is apprehending. It's been apprehending me for years. It's arresting me. I have to stop and go, hold on a minute, what are you talking about? Anyone else? Why? Because he's for me and he promises me You, his body, this incredible life. It goes beyond the cross. It's like way beyond the cross where you are more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. More than William Wallace. You could say, freedom! Because you're more than a conqueror. There's nothing that can hold you back. No demon, no spirit, no flesh. Nothing can separate you and me from him. Why? Because he said there is this life to come into through the commandments and it's full. It's the invitation of a lifetime and he keeps laying it out until we pick it up Open the envelope and allow him to start to do a work in us through our surrender. He says, if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Come with me to 1 John 5, 2 and 3. 1 John 5, 2 and 3. The whole chapter is about overcoming the world. 1 John 5, 2. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. By this, by what? We know that we love the children of God when we love God. You see, when you come through the commandment, Their natural expression is to love one another. So you'll have a love for the person beside you, even though you don't know the person. Because the love of God isn't based on knowing an individual. The love of God is based on knowing God. So if I know God, I'm going to have a love for you and everyone That I come to meet. Why? Because the love of God in me determines the love I have for you. It's not my love determining whether I love you, because that would fall short, because as soon as your behavior doesn't quite match my expectation, I now don't love you, now I don't like you. And so I'm falling short of the glory of God. I'm falling short of being able to live out this glorious life. Why? Because I'm not in the commandment. I haven't come through the commandment. I've skipped it. I've gone around it because I didn't like the answer that I was given. So I'm looking for another way in. There is only one way. His name is Jesus. And Jesus says, by the way, Greg, you can't bring you with you. (laughs) But I want to. I said, I know you do. But do you want the fullness of life? If you want the fullness of life, you have to leave you at the door. Now, you can't leave you at the door, so you need to surrender at the door, and I'm going to come and pick you up, and I'm going to fill you with my love, which will enable you to actually let you go. Because you can't let you go because you're going to live for you. And you need someone bigger to come and trump you to live for me. Well, that's my solution is me. Okay, so it goes on and it says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. So if we're saying it's hard to live for Jesus and he's telling you his commandments are not burdensome, then who's right and who's wrong? Who's not in his way if his commandments are burdensome? See, they're not when you come through his way. They are hard and they are weighty if you're trying to do it your way. If you're trying to add him on as an accessory, if you want to incorporate him onto your hip but not in your life, it will be hard because not only are you trying to carry him, you're trying to carry you. And there's quite a bit of weight in that. And you're trying to come in through your ability to do. Yes, that's burdensome. But when I'm in him, his commandments are easy. They are light. It's refreshing to love a brother and a sister with the love of the Father, especially if they're actually coming against you. And to be able to express love and mercy and grace and to stand there and go, I don't know how I'm able to do this, but I'm doing it. And the reality of that brings a power and a humility to go, God, you're so amazing. The fact that I can love someone who's screaming at me now and cursing at me, and I can love them back with the grace and the love of God is nothing short of a miracle. And to stand there and know you're doing it, loving, you're not, it's not you. your strength, it's his strength in you, and you can, is a miracle. And it forms more humility. Yep. <laughs> you see, the Bible says it's easy to love those that love you. Even the Pharisees can do that. But what about those that don't love you? What about those that are actually coming against you or don't agree with you or don't see your viewpoint? And they retaliate or walk away. What about that? See, Jesus. it says that Jesus loved the rich young man even though he walked away. Why? Because he was so for him. We are to be for one another. It's only hard if you're trying to do it. Come with me to 1 John 2. This is incredible. And I'll unpack this as we go, not today, but later on. 1 John 2, 3. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, this is where it gets harsh, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That doesn't mean that you're not a son. Doesn't mean that his blood's not covered you. It's just saying, you could think you're able to do something, you can't do it. And he's being it real clear. Saying, you know what, you've probably hoodwinked yourself. And I need to let you know through language like this, this, actually you're a liar. You say one thing, but you don't live it. He hated hypocrisy. So if this was me, Greg Simner, wouldn't I want to know if I was kidding myself? Before it was too late so I can come into the life. It's not about telling me off in the sense of it's not about punishing me. It's about, Greg, you say one thing, you do another. You're not entering into life. I have life for you. If you continue down this road, you're not going to experience the life I have for you. I have to come and tell you and discipline you because I love you because I want you and I died for you to come into the fullness of life. If you continue down this way, you're going to be short of the life I died. I still love you. You're in my shadow. My substance is covering you, but you're not in the vine, which means you're not in the life. I'm in you, but you're not abiding in me. And we must abide in Christ like he abides in us if we want the full life. So he comes and he came to this rich young ruler. He says, son, I see something. I have to address it today because I love you. Not because I hate you, but I love you. I am for you, Greg. I am not against you, son. Let me read on. This just gets better. It says, I have come to know her and does not keep it as a light, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. The love of God, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, kind, gentle. It's not jealous. It doesn't hold any wrongs. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. What for? To see God's glory come to the earth. This love, if you're in the commandment, is being perfected in you and I. For the purpose of what? Right, he tells you. By this we know that we are in him. So by having this love, you're going to know that you're in Christ. Christ is in you, but you're going to know you're in Christ. This is a partnership, isn't it? It's not a lopsided relationship. This is a partnership of co-heirs. I pray that they would be one as we are one. This is where the church needs to realize and come into who she truly is and who she's called to be. We're not just saved by grace and that's it. We're saved by grace to be one in fellowship, union, intimate The word means intercourse with him. We are to be that one perfected in love in me. Why? That I may walk in the manner in which Christ walked. Now there's an invitation in a lifetime. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. What does it mean to walk in the same manner? It means to walk in love. The law is fulfilled on two commandments. All of the law and the prophets are bound up, put together, and infused into two commandments. To love God, love people. I'm going to simplify this for you, my people. I'm going to take the law, which is my instruction, the Torah, which is my instruction, and everything the prophets have said. I'm going to take all that stuff and I'm going to put it into two commandments. Love God, love people, you'll have life. Simple, way. Eh? but there's a mystery that sits behind it all and if we are not curious and if we are not seekers and if we really have no desire to go after God and what he wants then that life will always stay here it'll always be on the outside of you and that is not why He died and rose again. That is not why He gives you life. He gave you life that you would step into life through the commandment that He's given. So here's the question. What does it mean to keep the commandments of God because they are the key to this life? What does it mean to keep the commandments of God because they are the key to eternal life? He gives the young man the answer to his question. The young man walks away. So what does it mean to keep them? What does it mean to observe them? Because I'm a real simple guy and I believe what it says. So I know if he says I keep them his way, then I'm going to be in life, which means if I'm not in life, then I can't be keeping them his way. Does that make sense? He's not a liar. He tells the truth. One and one equals two in God's kingdom. And that's where we have to allow that truth to confront us, knowing that he's for us. See, this is where people run away. I don't run away. In the name of the Lord, God moved me on. That's a great excuse and one that hurts him because he will let you do that and he will follow you and he will come after you because his hand is never too short to reach out but the challenge with that and the test was as some of the Israelites were supposed to get into the promised land and they never did and if we play that game we may never enter into the life that he called us to because we won't stay and allow him to show us and teach us why we're not in life, knowing that his love is covering us as he does it. You see, it's in God's love that you're able to take the layers off. It's in God's love and his grace that you're able to get real and go, okay, I want to be in life. I'm sick and tired of just going through motions I'm sick and tired of never actually singing songs and knowing why I'm singing them. They almost seem irrelevant, their words. And I see some other people looking like excited, but I'm completely and utterly bored. The only reason I'm here is because my mum makes me come. Or I'm trying to appease my wife or my husband. Man, I'd rather be on the golf course. Then go and go on the golf course. are they you're not allowed to say that why not you don't really want to be here why don't you go and play golf and figure out that golf's not the answer and then take out bowls and realize bowls isn't the answer and then go overseas on a holiday and realize that's not the answer go and do what your heart desires so maybe you figure out that none of those things are the answer i tried it for nine years and he let me And I'm so glad there was freedom for me to express that, to figure out what I actually needed after I went on a 10-year hike was the thing I needed before I started. And sometimes (laughs) we actually need to go on that journey to experience that, to come back to the point until we'll actually start living the Christian life. It's just turmoil to be on the fence It must be a nightmare to want to enjoy sin, but knowing you're never going to enjoy it. (laughs) It's like, I really want to do that. but No, no, I'm not supposed to because I'm supposed to be good. uh, uh, You know, he actually says, I'd rather you were cold. Why? Because I can turn a cold person, but a lukewarm person is, it's okay. I'm warmish. So I'm not cold, so I'm warm, so I'm okay. But see, someone that's cold can be flipped because they get to the end of themselves. They come to their wit's end and start to turn looking for another answer than the one that they've been giving themselves. But someone that's lukewarm stays lukewarm because there's no need to change because it's nice and warm in here but he wants you to be hot. And you can go from being ice cold to hot if you allow him in. You can go from being lukewarm to hot if you allow him in. So what does it mean to keep these commandments? And we have to ask ourselves whether we are functional people or relational people. You see, the rich young ruler is a very functional young man. He doesn't understand relationship. Do you? At your inner core, are you functional or relational? Both are in the picture but they have completely different operating systems. See, what we tend to do in the church is we'll say we're relational, but we're really functional. So we give the right answer, but the way we live is functional. I know a lot of leaders. I was one of them that was functionally led. It's all about doing something first rather than being and becoming someone first. And from the being and becoming, then going and doing some things that only the Father, only the Father talks to me about. You see, the rich young ruler, he's so functional, and this is what he says to Christ. So let's go back and have another look at it in Matthew 19. You see, functional people tend to demonstrate their love for God by their sacrifices and offerings. Let me read that out again. Functional people tend to demonstrate their love for God by their sacrifices and their offerings. Relational people demonstrate their love for God by being able to love God and people with the love of God operating within them relational people demonstrate their love for God by being able to love God and people with the love of God operating within them. That's what 1 John 2, 3 to 6 was all about. That's a challenge, isn't it? Go have a look at Psalm 51, 16 to 17. What did King David say? He says, I've realized that you don't want offerings and sacrifices. What you want is a broken, contrite heart. Offerings and sacrifices are like this turning up today. Tick. God's so happy with me because I turned up. You can turn up and not turn up at all. You can be present here and not be present ever. You can say you're part of a church and not be part of it because your mindset is, well, if I come, I'm part of it. That doesn't make you part of a church. Right. You'll know you're part of a church when you start living and laying your life down and loving God and people, and especially this church, living those values out. That's when you know you're really part of this church. See, singing songs, being a music leader... Can mean absolutely nothing. It's just my offering and my sacrifice. But my heart's full of me still. So God's going, I don't want that. Your worship is in vain. He says in Matthew, You honor me with your lips, but your worship is in vain and your heart is far from me. You see, doing good Christian activity means squat. If it's not done from love and love in God. You see, this is what functional people do. And that's what the rich young ruler is. He asks this question, he says, What good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? To which Jesus said, Why are you asking me about what is good? See, Jesus isn't making the connection. The man is, he thinks, I've got to do a good deed and then I get eternal life. Jesus is saying, why are we talking about good? I don't understand why you're asking me about what you need to do and what is a good thing you need to do. Those two things don't go together. Eternal life and doing a good thing don't go together. Why are you asking me about that? Can you hear what I'm saying? There is no correlation between the two, but functional people think there is. I must have to do something to come into. What is the good deed? Being in the music team, serving in the cafe, working in the children's ministry, giving money. Greg, are you saying all those things are wrong? I said, no. They are outcomes of love. You see, people who are in function go, I have to. God, it's a drag. I'm on the team this week. I've got to get up early relational people go it's a joy to it's a pleasure to gather with the body of christ and praise my king and my lord and my father it is not burdensome it is not burdensome to get up early it is not burdensome to get up and pray it is not burdensome why because i'm in love imagine how long my relationship with my wife would last if it was a burdensome to hang out with her what a drag it is being married to danielle oh man Got to force my way to have a conversation with her. What a nightmare. Get me out of this, Lord, please. Oh, you can't divorce. That sucks. (laughs) Why did I have kids? They're a nightmare. Oh, man. Now I've just added to my burdens and weight. What an idiot. Or is it a joy and a privilege and an honor? But is it an outcome? Of being in love. Why? Because we're relational, but something has to break if you want to go from function to relationship because you can't change yourself into a relational being when your flesh is functional. You need the power of God to come on you, in you, the word of God to come into you and cut and divide and perform a work that changes your inner realm and thinking. So now you're able to live from love and keep the commandment. It's a supernatural act, event, process, process, event of a lifetime. And Jesus is saying to the rich guy, he said, I don't know what you're talking about, but it's like Nicodemus being born again. Why are we talking about babies and going back into a mother's womb? I don't get it. Why are we talking about that? Why are we having that conversation? You see how far apart they are? But this is what we do. This is why people struggle to accept love, because I have to do something to receive it. I'm a bad boy. I need to be good. My behavior doesn't stack up. So how can you love me? Because it's about belonging before it's about behavior and his blood makes me belong. I'm screwed if it's about behavior. If it's about my behavior getting me in, close the door, shut it, lock it, I'm gone. I know you're not, but I am. So he says, Greg, come to the realization you belong in my family. You are my son. I died. Settle it today. Yes, Lord. And then believe, son. Believe. Come into the realization through revelation, through my power. And believe. Have a full conviction of who I am, who you are, and who I've called you to be. Yes, Lord. Then guess what happens? Your behavior changes. And you start loving God because you can. Because you're in the way of God. It's no longer hard, burdensome. A whole lot of people here need to stop today. The policeman is out going, stop. He came up the front in his blue uniform. I thought, what's the matter? (laughs) I want to say thanks. Cool. But he would say, stop. The authority of the land would say, stop. The authority of God, God himself would say stop today trying to come into through doing a good work and surrender. I'd rather do a good work, I know, but his way is surrender. David figured this out, took him a while. He had to kill a guy. He had to commit adultery. But through that act of behavior, he figured something out. The Ten Commandments get infused into two commandments. And these two commandments of loving God and loving people with the Father's love are lived out from the Spirit-led posture of having the Father's love operating in us. The Ten Commandments have been infused into the Two Commandments. And these Two Commandments of loving God and loving people with the Father's love are lived out from a Spirit-led posture of having the Father's love within us. I'm just going to read real quickly Matthew 19:16, And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? He said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you should not commit murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not be a false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? That's interesting, isn't it? Funny how you can keep guidelines, laws, rules, and not have life. That'd be annoying, wouldn't it? Always doing things right, but never doing the right thing. Shall I say that again? Always doing things right, but never doing the right thing. Just want to get it right. Right? Now you've got to do the right thing. Jesus then said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. So he's been given the answer, doesn't like the answer, He was invited to walk with God, come follow me, and he walks away. That's another sad reality for us, if that is us. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There's so much going on here. Jesus gives the man the answer. You can see function versus relationship. You can see man trying to keep guidelines and standards to enter into life? And then Jesus gives them the answer and says, if you want to be complete, you got to go and sell everything you got. Do you really think this is about possessions? If you do, you're missing the point. Rich people can enter the kingdom of God. Rich in spirit can't. I know wealthy people who are entering into the kingdom of God, have the kingdom of God being in them because they're humble. See, we read it and we think, oh yeah, people with lots of money can't enter into this eternal life. No, he's not saying that. He's saying people who are rich in spirit, pride-filled, arrogant, don't want to do it God's way, resist the ways of God. Why? Because ultimately they're in fear. They aren't willing to relinquish the control of your life. Fear is an expression of pride. If you're in fear, you're a pride-filled person. Because you are saying, I can't trust you enough, God. I trust in me. And that is an expression of pride, guys. We don't think it is. We don't, I might have even offended you right now. But there's only two spirits. Humility, pride. Humility is faith. Pride is fear. But fear is not of God. If we are controlling our own lives, then we're in pride. David got it. That's why he wrote Psalm 51 for us. He wrote it out and said, you don't want sacrifices. You don't want offerings. What you want is my heart, Lord. You want all of me. If you want to be complete, what did Paul say? Colossians 1.28, he said, I'm laying my life down to present every person complete in Christ. What for? The wedding that's coming. For the bride will look like the son, and the bride will do it the son's way. Now, this is for you and me. How many just left me? I'm still smiling at you. I still love you. I've got to tell you the truth. And I will tell you the whole purpose of God. Why? Because I'm not in the fear of you. I'm in the fear of the Lord. And whether you all turn up next week or not is fine by me because I'll have a break. (laughs) Now, I say that in love. If I can't preach the whole truth and I sit down on my chair because I'm no good to anybody, I'm not good to God, I'm not good to you. If I'm in the fear of man, I can't be a bond servant, Galatians 1, 10 and 11, so I can't be the vessel God wants me to be because I'm afraid that you won't like me, but I don't care if you like me or not because my identity is in God, not in you. And that enables me to speak the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me, Father to the measure that I'm in. And this is what he's saying to this rich young man. If you want to come into the life, you've got to give me what's in your heart. You have to give me the God of your life, which is who? himself. Himself. It is not his wealth. It is not his possessions that are holding back. It is himself. Then he has idols in his life because he is the God of his life. And people who have idols in their lives do not enter the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God? In us. I means you don't have eternal life growing in you. Christ is in you, but you're not abiding in him. So you're not experiencing this full measure, complete measure of life. What is eternal life again, Greg? It's having the substance of Christ, his love. Remember 1 John 2, 3 to 6, the love of God being perfected in you so you could walk in the manner in which he walked. You find yourself falling short to be able to live that out, which is the commandment of God. So the rich young ruler is faced with this obstacle. Some, I love you. Son, I died for you. Son, I know and I even have told you the commandments that you're trying to keep, but son, it's never been about trying to keep rules. It's never been about good things to do. He said, son, you missed the first four and you missed the first one. And I know you missed it, so I'm not going to tell you that the first commandment was that you should have no other gods, and the second commandment is that you shouldn't have no idols, and the third commandment is don't take the Lord's name in vain, and the fourth commandment is to obey the Sabbath. That's not what I'm going to tell you, because I can see it, so I come straight for the jugular and set you free, it's your heart. So I tell you, if you want to be complete in me, then you need to give me what's in your heart, which is you. See how it's not about doing a good thing because you can do good things for God and never give him your heart. You can dance around the subject and never give him your heart, which means you're not going to be in the life through the commandment. So you'll always find yourself falling short to be able to live out what we're called to live out. It's a commandment, not a good idea. So he goes, guys, I give my church everything it needs to fulfill what I say because I'm not a liar and I don't tease my people. Because they are more than conquerors in Christ if they come through me. But why do they stay outside of me and dance around in the outer courts, but not in the inner courts. Why they continue to be priests in the outer court. Are you tracking with me? There was only one man that could go into the inner courts. And then Jesus came and said, Oi, every man, come in. But you can be dancing around the outer courts and you're not in the holy of holies, which is to be in you and me. Why? Because you're trying to keep commandments going. Why isn't this happening? Because you're keeping it through your flesh. And you haven't yet surrendered your heart. Well, I've got to be a good lad and keep this day. Then I've got to keep good lad and not eat that. Then I've got to do this. Then I've got to do that. Then I out to, to my parents and I to, "Man, this is burdensome." Man, what if I mess up once? Oh, you're doomed! Isn't that what it says? If you miss one, you've smashed them all. What a pressure to try and live a life! I've got to be squeaky clean. I've got to watch every word, do everything. Yes, but not from the pressure of having to keep a law or a commandment. It's through love. You see, when you're in love, the outcome is just behavior changes. Can you hear me? It's no longer tough. It's not hard. How many people, guys, how many want a wife that just do what you tell them to do and don't love you? I feel sorry for you, Rachel. That was Thomas. <laughs> and ladies, how many of you want a husband just does what you ask him to do, but doesn't love you? No one does. You want a husband or a wife that love you and then out of love will do what you ask because it's not a chore, it's out of love. It's the way of God. And somehow we can figure it out in personal relationships, but when it comes to Him, we miss it. And we go back to this flesh thing and wonder why it's so tough and horrible. this is. You see, surrender of everything which is you first. See, God asks for much only to set you free. I believe, this is my personal conviction. Outside of self, a child is probably the greatest idol, That general statement that people can have in their life. Sometimes you think it might be a spouse, but you know, yeah, maybe nah. That's a joke, but a child. <laughs> <laughs> Those are her words, not mine. <laughs> but a child, this innocent person that I've, played a part in creating, especially if I'm an insecure person and I haven't gone through the commandment, then I look at the child and I need the child to somehow complete me. Maybe that's why I had a child. But I have one child and that never works. So I have another one and another one and another one because I'm looking for this fulfillment but it doesn't come through someone else. It only comes through the person. His name is Jesus. Jesus because I'm resisting allowing Jesus in because this insecurity this fear I've got I'm trying to heal it through other stuff and if only I get more stuff I'll be healed but all I seem to do is add more chaos and then I'm unhealthily connected to this other person or the stuff and now I'm codependent so I need them to be happy. I need them to fulfill me. I need them. And if they don't perform or match up, man, you better watch out because all hell breaks loose. So instead of loving them freely, I'm lusting after them. And I'm sucking the life out of them because I'm not complete. Because I don't go through the door of surrender. I try and go around it. So I try to keep your commandments through my flesh, tick all the boxes, offer up sacrifices and offerings, and I'm such a good Christian, but I lack life. And that breaks his heart. And it breaks anyone else's heart that's gone through the door of surrender. And that's why those people are to stay and love and be patient, kind, gentle, long-suffering, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things, speaking the truth in grace and love and truth so people can know the way of God into the life of God. Because remember what he said, all things are possible With him, the challenge is are you prepared to give up what's in your heart? That will determine whether you will be complete or not. Because God will not share his glory with anyone, guys. He's a jealous God, now, he wants no one falling short of his glory. We just think that's a scripture for the lost. It's a scripture for us. He wants Jesus said, "I give you my glory. He wants this full glory in you and I coming out of you into the earth. Or well, he won't share that with anyone. So we must surrender. And you know what the cool thing is, is this happened to me and I've gone through this process, He gives you back the things that come out of your heart. And now you're free from them to love them the way he loves because love has been perfected in you so you can walk in the manner in which he walked. You actually get free of one another which enables you to love like the father because you allowed the commandment of son it's about loving me with all your heart not your stuff other people. Will you give me the idols that are in your heart? Will you give me your whole life? So if we want the complete life, which is promised by Jesus through the commandment, you have to give him your entire life, your whole heart. And I can't make you do that. I'm glad I can't, I can't, I'm glad I'm not the one that can drink that drink, Jaden, and there it is, or sink that pill and you've got it. Because as you go through that, you learn and so much and you fall in love so much and it's incredible to be unattached and then reattached. It changes everything and you're in this life that you just want more of and can have more of because it's unlimited and everyone wins God gets glorified you're in freedom and the people that you're in their lives with receive the Father through you I don't think it gets any better than that and a lost world then gets to see God in the church and want and he draws unto himself His ways are perfect. Be perfect like my heavenly Father is perfect. Fully possible to be mature and to have this love because he promises it. It's just about will you surrender? So I want to leave you with that question. Will you surrender knowing that all things are possible? So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the work you're doing here of this eternal value that is bringing us into this full measure of truth. Father, we glorify your name. We love you and we'll do things your way from a leadership, eldership perspective and as a church. And Father, we will be patient with one another, kind and gentle, believing all things, holding no wrongs, not being jealous, enduring, believing, hoping, and co-partnering with you to see the church built here at the rock. In Jesus' name, amen.